right, good. Good morning, family. Good to see you guys. All right. I've, I've missed you guys. I've missed you. I'm glad to be back. So um, before we get too far ahead, I want to thank Cal. There you are. Cal, thank you, Cal, for filling in for me uh, while I was gone. Uh, I just I appreciate the work that you did so I could get a little rest and do a little research. And I, I just appreciate that a lot. So thank you. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about whatever God has for our church for 2016. Are you guys excited? I am. Uh, I believe that prayer is vital to any healthy local church. Uh, when we look at the whole scope and the whole sweep of Scripture, we find that the people of God are marked by being people of prayer. Prayer is a non-negotiable in the life of the Christian and, as, and also in the life of the local church. And so in order for us to be ready for whatever God has for our life this year, uh, we must be in prayer. And so to that end, uh, we're going to be doing a, a starting a series on prayer today that's based on the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so uh, we're going to be going verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer. I've never done this, so this is either going to be really awful or really awesome. Uh, but uh, that's what we're going to be doing for the next seven weeks, okay? Uh, and this morning we're going to read uh, the verses that are just before the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be in Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be reading through verses 5 through 8. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, open them up or turn them on, however you, however you read God's Word, Okay. And uh, we're going to be there, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, and we're going to go down to verse 8. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father... Lord, I just was reminded this morning that what we all need, including me, is to be able to see how awesome you are and big and huge and strong and mighty. That would fix a lot of our problems. But we need to see how big you are today. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help me uh, today make your name great through this sermon. I need your help. As I preach, God, I pray that you would help me be concerned only with what you think of me and no one else. I ask that you would make Crossway a church that greatly desires to pray for your will to be done right here. 
I ask that you would come so powerfully and so unexpectedly that no one here could leave their seat except changed by you, God. And uh, I acknowledge that I can do none of these things. But you can do all of these things <laughs> by your power and for your, for your glory, Lord. So would you do it? Amen. Well, uh, I got to talk to a friend over Christmas and the break that we had. He's, uh, he's a newish Christian. Um, he's been a Christian for, for a handful of years. And I love getting to talk with this guy. His name's Jeff. I love getting to talk with him because he always gives me a perspective, a perspective that I've kind of forgotten over the years as, as I've been following the Lord. Uh, he always, he's one of those guys, he's a new Christian, so he asks all the questions, questions that you don't know you're not supposed to ask. Okay? I love people like that. That's great. And so, he, in fact, he actually used to live in Washington. He used to live in the Seattle area. So he'll call time to time and check on us, say, how's it going? What's happening with the church? And how do you like living there? But this man really wants to learn how to have a relationship with God. He's very excited about being discipled and, and growing his relationship with the Lord. Like, how do I pray? How do I do that? How do I read the Bible and understand that? How do I share my faith with people that don't believe, okay? So, the, in other words, like, the basics for my friend, the basics of the Christian life, they don't bore him because those are the things that we don't like to talk a lot about. We don't really teach a lot about that, all right? And so, like, he's all about learning. So the basics don't bore my friend. And he told me while we were on the phone, he told me a story about how he started coming to church, and uh, he didn't really know, like, kind of all the stuff that happens at church and what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to say and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted to learn and wanted to get some guidance on how do I pray? How do I talk to God and listen to God? Like, what's his voice sound like? These kinds of things. He wanted some guidance on that. But he was actually, like, a, he was too scared to ask for help. He was too scared or too intimidated, I guess, to ask for some guidance. Because as he looked around at people, they seemed to really know what they were doing. They, they seemed to be like pros at all of this. And so he didn't want to like, look like a novice, an amateur. But what had happened was he started, you know, he'd go to a prayer meeting or he'd get involved in small groups. He started to get to know other Christians and churches or at his church, and he started to listen to them and ask them questions. He's, he's always asking questions. And he'd come to find out that they didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> they didn't really know what they were praying. They didn't really know what they were saying or doing, okay? And they were just mimicking. They were mimicking other people is what he found out. And he thought, you know, maybe, maybe what happened was they were like me. Maybe they were too scared to ask for help and guidance and want to learn like I was. I don't know. But it got me thinking that prayer is critical to the life of a disciple. Yet it's something that we're, in, if we're honest, and I hope we're honest, that we're kind of embarrassed to admit that we need to learn. We need to learn how to pray. And so what happens is we'd rather fake it than humbly admit that we need to learn this. It's not necessarily a natural thing when you come to know the Lord. You're not talking to God, now you're talking to God. It's different. I mean, nobody wants to pray, right, like a novice. No one wants to pray like a four-year-old. Am I right? Okay, am I, can we be honest? Right. We all want to start like a black belt, right? That's what we want. I'm a Christian. I'm a black belt at this. I, I don't want to learn. I just go up from there. And that's just kind of, like, that's just part of our nature of how we are. 
So what happens is we never end up really learning how to pray, and our prayer life becomes frustrating. It's unsatisfying. And when our prayer life is frustrating long enough, we become tempted to just, you know, what's the point? I'm not really going to pray. Maybe, maybe when I need help, and that's about it, right? And that may be some of us here today. Maybe, that's a se- maybe you've gone through a season of, of life in your prayer life like that. You could relate to that. But in order for our prayer life to become satisfying to us, Christ must replace our wrong motivations for praying with the right ones. Did everyone hear that? In order for our prayer life to become satisfying, Christ must replace the wrong motivations for prayer with the right ones. That's kind of the big idea today. I want you guys to hear, okay? It's all based off of that. And what's interesting in these verses that we just read in Matthew, did you notice like Jesus doesn't rush in to teaching them how to pray? Did you notice that? He doesn't just reach it, rush into like the model prayer. Like here's how you do it. He doesn't go to the how to, right? First, he goes to the why to. Did you notice that? Because he has to replace our wrong motivations with the right ones. And why does he need to do that? Because what we need most, listen to me, what we need most is not more Bible information. We need heart transformation. And we get those things like we collapse them as if I have one, I have the other. No. We need not so much more Bible information. We need heart transformation. And you need to take that trip from here down to here. Remember the Meals with Jesus series. He wants to change us from the inside out. So if Crossway is going to become a church that prays regularly, fervently, passionately for God's will to be done in our church, in our life, in our city, then we need to pray with the right motivations. This is where we start. Okay? And the first motivation that we find in Matthew is this. We need to pray for the better reward. We need to pray for the better reward. Look at this verse with me. Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be. So he goes, do not do. Right? In this situation, it's situational. When you do this, don't do this, do this. Okay? So, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Why? That they may be seen by others. Okay? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So we're going to break this apart a little bit, okay? The first group that Jesus criticizes here are the religious people, the religious Jews of his days. They would love to pray in public places. Okay? Whether that's in like the worship service in the synagogue or out on the street corners. They would line up in the, in the street corners where the most people would be able to see them praying and hear them praying. Okay? And what Jesus is criticizing is not the fact that they would pray in public places. Did you see that, that second clause? That they may be seen. They do this, but here's why. He's getting to the why. He's getting to the heart of the matter. They want to pray in public places, um, and, and that's okay. Jesus himself play, prayed in public places, right? But it's why they do it. They do it to look like they're spiritual. They do it, he says, to look like they're close to God, okay? When really, they aren't concerned at all about God. That's not what they're doing this for when they pray. They are after a temporary reward. Their reward is to use prayer to get other people to think that they're close with God, to think that they're spiritual. 
And Jesus says, you know what? They get the reward. Does that, does that statement surprise you? He says they do get a reward. They get it. Some people do see them. Some people do think that they're really close with God, that they're really holy and spiritual. But Jesus says, yeah, but that's all they get. Wow. They're praying, and that's all they get in their prayers. Some people think really well of them. Jesus says, don't pray with that motivation. Don't seek. That's a puny little reward. Don't seek that. Right? There's always this temptation, guys, for us to pray with an eye toward the people that are in the room. Am I right? There's always this temptation for all of us, whether, especially when we're in a public place, whether it's like at, at the 50-yard line, right, at midfield on a football game after the game is over, or whether it's uh, in a worship service, kind of like what we just did and what I just did, or whether it's in a smaller group of people but still public. It's like at dinner time when you're gathered around family members. And other family members have come to eat with you. We all want to be thought well of by those that are around us, those that are looking in and listening in. We pray towards them in the room instead of our Heavenly Father who's in the room. And I'll be honest with you guys, nobody's immune from this temptation. Nobody's immune from this temptation. Uh, I'm not. I've been talking with God for a long time. I'm not crazy. I'm just, I mean... But I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying, right, Sini? You know what I'm talking about, okay. She, she's with me. She knows what I'm talking about. I've been talking with God for a long time, most of my life, all right? And I still succumb to this temptation. I'm just being real with you guys. This needs to be a church where we're honest with our sins with one another, okay? I do. Uh, I still have times when I succumb to that temptation. Someone comes in the room or they come to that prayer meeting or whatever, and it, 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 you know, I'm not really praying what's on my heart and my mind. Uh, maybe you're the person who's kind of the opposite, though. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person that you refuse to pray in front of other people. You go the other direction. Now pray, now pass. Now I'll let, I'll let them pray. I'm not going to pray, right? You do the exact opposite action, but you know what? It comes from the same motivation. See, that's the thing about Jesus. He's always going after our hearts. It's, it's hard to hide the motivation, isn't it? We do this, and maybe you're one of those people. You know, I'm not going to pray. I let them pray. They're the prayer pro, <laughs> okay? So that's your job, pastor, okay? So you pray, but I'm not going to pray. You know, I'm not, you know, it comes up in our heart like this. I'm not very good at it. I've been a Christian a long time. I never bothered to have anyone teach me about this. I, ne I never was discipled, Right? Uh, you know what, I, I'm not feeling very holy this week. I can't let other people, I can't let them know that I need to learn how to pray. So you know what, I'll be quiet. So they won't know that. They'll think I'm spiritual. Right? That's not praying for the exact same reasons. That's not praying so people will think well of us. Are you tracking with me? No one's immune to this temptation, guys. And here's what Jesus says to us. You've received your reward. Some people see that and they think, wow, you're, you're really close with God. I mean, they don't have any reason to think otherwise. But Jesus says, don't seek that little puny reward. 
there's something better. So what keeps us settling for a temporary puny world? What other people think of us, right? Then thinking well of us. What, what, what is better? What's going to change that in us? A better reward does that. Look at verse 6. Jesus says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is the only thing strong enough to remove that desire in our heart? A wrong motivation or a wrong desire in our heart. It's not willpower. I'll give you a hint. It is not willpower. It's not trying really, really, really extra hard this time. And it's not trying to kill a desire. Killing a desire uh, for that puny reward that people think, I'm really close with God, I'm really holy, I'm really in tune with God. That's not going to be strong enough to change that, okay? To kill it, to remove it. It won't happen. Why? Because you can't, it doesn't work to try to remove something and replace it with nothing, You don't replace something that's there with nothing and have that work, have that last. Our hearts were designed to behold something, to grab onto something, to be in awe of something. Something's going to take that slot. The Scottish minister Thomas Thomas Chalmers said this. He said that the only thing strong enough to dislodge an old desire from the human heart is a new desire. That thought has radically changed how I understand growing in Christ. It's changed how I parent. It's changed a lot of things in my life. The only thing strong enough to dislodge an old desire from the human heart is a new desire. A new desire comes in and shoves that old desire out, and then you have that new desire there. Because our heart's made a desire. You don't tell your heart, don't desire it, and just leave it with nothing. Does this make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? Think about it for a second. This is a very simplistic illustration, but just like bear with me, okay? Just get the point across. We do this every day in small ways. Let's say, you know what, we really want ice cream, all right? All the kids are gone from the room. They would say, yes, I want ice cream. We all like ice cream. There we go, some kids in the back, big kids. We all want ice cream, and we like ice cream. We get ice cream. It satisfies us Rocky Road or Moose Tracks or Mint Chocolate Chip, whatever you guys are drooling now, right? Think about this, ice cream. I want ice cream. We go out to the restaurant. You got ice cream? Yes, I do. We go to the carnival, the fair. You got, some, you got ice cream? Oh, I would love some ice cream. And we get it, and it satisfies us. This was, this was great ice cream. I mean, this hit the spot. That's all I've been thinking about all day. Until we go to Italy. Right? And we taste gelato. Mmm. Gelato's good. <laughs> And then what do we want? We want gelato over ice cream. Ice cream is just kind of, mm. You want some ice cream? Yeah, do, you have, do you serve gelato? <laughs> I'm just wondering. I can't get, I mean, I'm tasting flavors I never knew existed on the planet. You understand what I'm saying? The only thing that's strong enough to remove our desire for ice cream is a taste of gelato. The only thing strong enough to remove our desire for people to think we're really holy and spiritual when we pray is to have a desire for, for God to see us, okay? We're not concerned whether other people see us and what they think of us. We're concerned what God thinks of us. Jesus is telling us that the purpose of prayer is to be seen by someone, yes, but that someone is God the Father. We should pray because we want to encounter God, not just r- rifle through a list of requests that we have. We want to encounter Him. 
We want to experience him. Know him better. Notice Jesus doesn't have a problem with us praying to get a reward. Did you notice that? He said it in both verses. They want to get a reward, you get a reward. He didn't have a problem with us praying to get a reward. We should actually go into prayer expecting a reward, guys. It's, in fact, it's a major motivation to propel us to pray. But what is the reward? What is the reward? It's to be seen by God. It's to encounter God. What would it do to our prayer life as a church to know that for certain, wherever we prayed and whenever we came together to pray, that God saw us, the creator of the universe saw us. What would that do to our prayer life? Think about that for a second. The one that at this moment sees precisely how many shells are lining up the hook canal. That one. The one that never tires or needs to close his eyes for even one second because he's from everlasting to everlasting. The one that sees every sunrise that he crafted, every wave that crashes, every firefly that glows in the night, every comet that shines in the sky, sees all of them every day and misses none of them all the time. That one, that's the one I'm talking about. What would it do to our prayer life, guys, to know that the one who sees all of that sees us when we pray? What would that do, guys? Now, I think it would make us trade in all the sets of eyes of all the important people for that one set of eyes. I think it would get us to praying. That's what I think. Crossway will become a people of prayer to the degree that we desire to encounter God when we pray. Let's look at the, uh, another motivation. Pray knowing you will be heard by God. We talked about knowing you'll be seen by God. Here's the other one. Pray knowing you will be heard by God. Now the next group of people that Jesus criticizes are the Gentiles who do not know the living God. They, the Gentiles, they'd pray to many gods uh, to give them whatever that they wanted, to give them the things that they needed or, or desired. And it's very likely that these Gentile practices of prayer had been slipping into the religious and pious Jews of the time. They'd been kind of adopting those practices. They looked like they might be working. They looked spiritual. So look at verse 7. Here we go. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. We're going to break this apart. What does this mean by uh, heaping up empty phrases and then uh, that they'll be heard for their many words, okay? So here's the basic instruction that Jesus is giving. Be concise in your prayer, not rambling, okay? And let the words you use be meaningful, not superstitious, okay? That's kind of the basic instruction he gives. So here's the deal. The Gentiles, they don't know God. And so they would be thinking, uh, the way that you made the gods listen to you is you just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. That's what he's tackling right here. You just pray and pray and pray. And, and the more that you pray, the longer your stream of words, the more likely that the gods would hear it and that they would pay attention. 
They'd be over here, because they're not omnipotent. They'd be, they'd be listening to different people. I'm going to listen to this person, this person. Oh, wait, they've really been going for a long time over there. I, you know, I'm going to ignore them. Now I'm going to get, they've got my attention, so I'm listening to them. They've been going on and on. Gentiles also believe that you had to badger the gods with your prayers. Okay? You had to beat the gods up to kind of submit to your will. All right? You had to break the God's wills because they didn't really want to bless people. That, see, we're getting to the heart again. Their understanding of God affected their understanding of prayer. So the gods or the goddesses, they don't really want to listen to us. They don't really want to give us blessings. They don't really want to answer us. So I'm going to have to break, wear them down, basically. Okay, I'll give it to you. Leave me alone, all right? Give me a break already. That's what they thought of the gods. So picture this. If you write, picture this. This is your kind of understanding of God, okay? Gods are, God is the pinata, okay? And the blessings and the, to- the toys and the candy are the blessings inside the pinata, okay? And prayer is this really long stick that you smack God with repeatedly over and over and over until finally the God pops, I've had enough. Okay, and the blessings come down. All right, you understand what I'm saying? I'll answer you. That's kind of the that's kind of the thinking, and so they would use these, in their mind, magic phrases. All right, they're just kind of nonsense, but it would just it would in their mind it would unlock this. If they said the right thing at the right time, the right way enough times, it would unlock the padlock, so to speak, of God, and then He would answer. And he'd bring down his blessings. He'd give us what, finally give us what we want. And guess what? The people of God are picking up on these practices. They've kind of adopted that. They, they've they've uh, put different language to it, but they've kind of adopted it. In fact, today, if we're honest, we pray like this sometimes, don't we, guys? Especially when we're learning. We don't know what we're doing. We're learning. We kind of do this, Right? We often pray phrases that we don't really understand, but we think that they're going to have power to do something. All right? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on me, so nobody thinks I'm picking on them, okay? So I'm going to pick on me. I'm going to put kind of my fault out here for you guys, all right? I remember a time when I was, I was younger. I was growing in the Lord. I love to pray. And I want to learn as much as I can about prayer. I was reading any book I could get my hands on. I was praying with people. People were mentoring me, okay? And anything I could do to learn about prayer. And so I'm like in college, all right? I'm tw- 19, 20, maybe 21. And I'm getting ready to go on this trip. I forget where the trip was. But I remember we had to fly to get there. And there was this godly woman. She was kind of a mentor of mine, spiritual mentor of mine. And, and godly woman, I highly respected her. She prayed with a lot of people. She was an intercessor, you know, in prayer. And she told me this. She said, okay, Chad, when you get on that praying, I want you to plead the blood of Jesus over every seat in the plane. And so you know what I did? I did. I got on the plane and I, played, I prayed that. But you know what happened? As I did, I asked myself, when I got, got done, I said, do you understand what you're praying? I had to say, no. But I told, she told me to pray it, so I'm going to pray it. But I didn't really understand the words that were coming in my mouth, out of my mouth. You understand what I'm saying? I was just mimicking something that I had heard from her. 
And so at that moment, I realized, you know, I, I wasn't connecting with God. I didn't understand the words coming out of my mouth. So I decided I'm not going to pray that until I can understand what it is I'm praying. Until I understand, until I know what I'm talking to God about. Because I realized until I did that, I was kind of doing just, I was just superstition. Christianized superstition. I wasn't really praying to God. And, and it's okay for this to happen. Like, we all mimic, right? That's how we learn. That's the first way we learn when we're a little child, right? We mimic, right? And so that's okay. But God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow up, okay? And he challenged me with this. It's easy for all of us to fall into this mindset about prayer and about God. Sometimes I still today, guys, I'm just being honest with you, I still find myself just, my mind tunes out. I'm just mindlessly saying things and going on, and I don't really, I don't really know what I'm doing. Sometimes it's just like, I've run out of stuff to say, right? So I'm just saying things. Someone approaches me, hey, pray for me. I'm like, I, I was thinking about something else. I don't know what to pray, so I just pray. So everyone does this. I'm picking on myself so you guys can know and understand it's okay to grow up. It's okay to learn. It's okay to leave some things behind and, and grab some new things. It is okay. So, so otherwise we never grow, right? We just stay the same. So now everybody is really self-conscious of how they pray, right? You guys are all thinking about like every word you ever said every time you ever prayed, right? So that's, that's not the point. So what do we do, right? Nobody wants to pray now, am I right? <laughs> I'm not praying. <laughs> you pray. <laughs> so what do we do? Okay. First, some clarifications. Like I said, everybody learns. This is how we learn. We, we, we just kind of yabba-dabba do it, all right? We, we learn. We grow. We learn from one another. We get critiqued, all right? We mature. Let people come alongside us like Jesus and say, it's not this way, child. This way. And that's okay, all right? Secondly, Jesus isn't saying don't pray long prayers. He's not saying I forbid you to ever pray a long prayer. 30 seconds or bust. That's not what he's saying. All right? Jesus prayed long prayers. Check out John 17 if you don't believe me. That's a long prayer. And that's all that we have recorded of it, by the way. Jesus is also not saying, hey, don't pray over and over and over for things. Remember, he praises the persistent widow in Luke 18. Remember that? She prayed over and over and over for justice. And he says, pray like her over and over that justice will come. So he's not, he's not saying don't do that. And Jesus isn't saying, well, you know, no, words don't matter. He's not saying that. Because the whole Lord's Prayer is giving us a prayer language. It's giving us prayer categories. So just some clarification. So what is the point? What's the point of what he's saying? Again, he's going not so much over the behavior, the practice, Let's not get caught up on that. It's the heart. He's going underneath all of that. There's a reason that the Gentiles are praying that way. Jesus is addressing the heart motivation. When we mindlessly pray phrases that we think we have power, in Jesus' name I pray amen. That's my favorite one. I say that all the time. In Jesus' name I pray amen. Right? Sometimes I, I really mean that, and sometimes I don't. Because I'm not thinking about it. I just kind of said it as a rote thing that I just say. He's getting to what's going on in my heart when I do that. Or I feel bad if I don't say that. Did God really hear me because I didn't say that? And here's what he's getting at. What is going on in your heart and my heart? We're praying frantically. We're praying frantically. We're praying 
anxiously, almost worriedly, did God really hear me? I, I forgot to say that. I forgot. We ran out of time. We, I mean, I had other things on my li- list. I should have. We're frantic. We're not confident. We're nervous. That's what it means. That's what it means to pray like the Gentiles. Okay? We're not confident that God really wants to hear us. In that very moment, I'm talking about like in real time, not like when we're sitting here and we're all out listening and going, yeah, that's right. In, in real time, in that moment, when we're doing that, what's happening is I don't really believe in that moment in my heart, God wants to hear me. God is listening to me. He will answer my prayers when I'm doing that. That's what's going on at a heart level, a secret level. So what we're doing is we're just throwing as much pasta at the wall and just hoping something sticks, right? Maybe this, maybe that. I just barrage him. Right? And maybe something will work. That's why sometimes we come out of times of prayer feeling more tired and more defeated than when we went in. You ever felt that? Yeah. Yeah, you have. Me too. That's what it means to pray like the Gentiles. Okay? That's what they're doing. And Jesus lovingly comes to us, and he says, you don't have to pray like that because you worship a God who wants to hear you. He wants to hear you. Yes. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, do not be like them. Why though? Why? What's the motivation? For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's why. What would it do to our prayer life to know that before we ever open our mouth, God is already in a disposition to listen to you. Like, you don't have to warm him up. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to butter him up. Like, would you listen to me today, Father? Like, what would that do to you? What would that do to us as a church if we actually believe that when we pray? That God is not someone that you have to get into a good mood to listen to you. Like, you're not like the kid coming in and going like, Dad, 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 go away. I'm watching the game. No, God does. You do that with your kids. I do that with my kids, but God doesn't do that with his kids. Amen? You need to know this when you go into prayer. That would like revolutionize your prayer life. Just that one truth. To know that God isn't putting you off just because he hasn't answered your prayer yet. And he isn't putting you off just because he hasn't answered your prayer in the way that you would like him to answer your prayer. I pray that you give me comfort, but not that kind of comfort, this kind of comfort. It doesn't mean that God wasn't answering your prayers or wanting to listen to you. You don't have to wear him down, is what I'm saying. Are you tracking with me? Why? Jesus says why. Because he is your father. That means that he's for you. And he's with you. He's with you. That's how he knows what you need before you ask. Because he's been with you all along. Caring for you, watching you, loving you, listening to you. It's kind of like, I don't know if we have that cartoon or not. Do we have a cartoon on that slide? Huh? No? Okay. I'll skip it. I had a little cartoon about, about Jesus, but we didn't include it, so... The Father wants us to ask for what we need in prayer. 
Now, why would he want us to ask, though, if he already knows everything that we need? It's because when he answers our request, when he answers those prayers and he comes through for us, it strengthens our faith in him. It makes us want to ask again. And it deepens our relationship with him. That's why. That's the purpose of it. So Jesus has told us the motivations of prayer. He's told us to pray, uh, to, to, to seek being seen by God and heard by God. So we're, we're good, right? Like, we're all good, right? We can go do this now, right? We're good till the next time we're called upon to pray. So next, next second, we, we, we have people that are in front of us and we're wanting to pray, am I right? And then what happens? Our heart rises up. Our heart starts to just barrage us. We become the pinata. And our heart starts barraging us with doubts, with little statements. You know, hey, I'm not that righteous. I'm, I'm really not that close with God. You know, I haven't really been maturing in my relationship with God like I should. I know that. Why would God listen to someone like me? This is why we need another motivation. This is a third motivation. We need to pray with the power that the gospel supplies. We need to pray with the power that the gospel su- supplies. Jesus has set down some pretty, uh, pretty uh, you know, extreme motivations uh, for our prayer life, right? They're pretty pure-hearted motivations. Pretty hard to attain. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's hard. Jesus tells us that the only way we can pray like this is if we know that God is our Father. It's not just Jesus' Father. He's our Father. And how does God become our Father? Here's how. Through trusting in Christ's perfect life. That's how. Those who have trusted in Jesus have God as their father just like Jesus did. Think about that. That's incredible. We have, excuse me, we have a relationship with, the, with Father God vicariously. That means through the perfectly obedient life of his son. That's how we have a relationship with God as our father. Jesus prayed perfectly. He did everything perfect. That includes prayer. And that includes why he prayed. If anyone deserved to be seen and heard by God, it was Jesus. Amen? It was Jesus. On the cross, Jesus prayed only to his Father, regardless of who was watching him and what they thought of him. He prayed only to his Father. On the cross, he prayed, remember this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And people thought he was crazy, not spiritual. And he didn't care. Right? What did they say? They thought he was calling on Elijah. Right? And he still prayed to his father in front of that hostile crowd? On the cross, Jesus was publicly put on display for the entire crowd to see. And he prays, only to his father, like he knew him. And did his father reward Jesus with his presence? Did, Jesus, did the father reward him by seeing him, by, by ex- encountering him? No. He didn't. 
The father responds to this pure-hearted prayer by ignoring him to death. You ever feel like God's ignoring your prayers? Jesus does too. Except God really ignored his prayers. It just feels like he's ignoring your prayers. Jesus is the only one that knows what it's like to have God disregard his prayers. And he was rewarded, he rewarded his son with deep darkness. So darkness fell over the whole place, right? Why would Jesus go through that when he had such a close, intimate relationship with his father from all eternity? Why would he, why would he go through that experience? It's so that when we pray, we can be certain that God sees us when we pray. And that is the good news of Jesus regarding prayer. You see, the gospel says that Jesus' prayers got the reward that we deserve so that our prayers could get the reward that Jesus deserved. That's the great exchange that happened on the cross. Jesus got treated like a praying pagan and a hypocrite. Right? So that we could be treated like sons and daughters. That should make you smile. Now go pray. Now go pray to your father who sees you in secret. Now go pray. We become people that pray to the degree that we believe we are accepted by the father through the love of his son, Jesus. That's our motivation to pray. I love you guys. I want to pray for you, okay? Jesus, we love you, and we want to know you better. We want to encounter you, Father, when we pray. And God, we need you to challenge us today. We need you to mature us. But more importantly, we need to be motivated by the gospel. We thank you, God, that you do hear us. We can pray like you see us, and we can pray like you hear us. We can pray knowing we will encounter you because we know you're our Father because of Jesus. Thank you for giving us the reward (laughs) that Jesus deserved. Thank you so much for that, Lord. And God, I just pray that we would be people that prayed with confidence, that, that there may be people here that need to be renewed Lord, as they pray, they just had a dry spell. They think you're not listening. So God, I just pray right now by your Holy Spirit that, that Spirit, you would just renew that in them. You do hear. You do see. You are and will answer. And Lord God, just pray, uh, I just pray that you would help us continue to put our faith in Jesus. And that is why you hear and listen to us. So we thank you for all that you're going to do in us this year. We ask that you change us and make us like you. Amen.